I'm now at a place where I am so grateful for this body that allowed me to bring two amazing human beings into the world. And every day, like I'm thankful that this is now a vessel that and now allows me to do the work that I want to do. Hello, and welcome to Reclaim Your Radiance, a podcast where we discuss the most intimate parts of the human experience. Let's take a deep dive into self-love, sexual pleasure, and absolutely everything in between. I'm your host, Chris Hall, and each week we will be joined by one fabulous friend, and sometimes that friend will just be me, to talk about how we can all become our most radiant selves. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Today, we are joined by Candice, a British 38-year-old Caucasian cis-hetero female who identifies with the pronouns she, her. Candice now lives in Australia with her two daughters and husband of 20 years. She is also a successful businesswoman and a strong advocate of women in business, as well as listening to and focusing on your inner voice by way of quieting down all the exterior voices and influences that can pull you away from what is really meant for you, which incidentally is the focus of our podcast, Shine Louder, but more on that later. I am so excited for you to hear Candace's incredibly vulnerable tale as she has overcome some tough challenges to get where she is today. But before we do, just a few quick announcements. Are you looking to get more involved with the growing Reclaim Your Radiance community? Come join our Facebook group to talk podcast topics and more. Or maybe you're more of a tips and tricks straight to your inbox kind of person. Amazing. If you want a quick summary of Stacey's incredible how to reach your goals advice from episode four, we've got you. The links are in the episode description. And now onto the podcast. So, hey, how's it going? It's nice to meet you. You too. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm excited to to get into everything. All right. So, you you mentioned you are from Northern England and you grew up there. Yes. So, what was that like? Yeah, so I grew up in Northern England. I was born in a town called Bury, um, close to like a, a major city, but really kind of like small to medium town kind of mentality and lifestyle. Um, I'm one of um, four, so I'm uh, the third oldest. Um, I have a younger sister. And, and yeah, like life was in England was, it was great. Like I can't complain too much about, and I say that because I moved, I moved to Australia in 2013. So life got very different for my family at that point but leading up to moving over here and really changing our life in such a big way life was great like I kind of thought it was great right I had the corporate job I had the beautiful house the nice car the couple of holidays a year like on paper life was great Mm. Um, I still kind of wasn't fulfilled and it's what led us to Australia and led me to do a whole hunt bunch of other things um but yeah life was good amazing so I guess I guess we can just dive right into you know your your teenage years and kind of what what shaped you so you've mentioned that you had a lot you had uh, struggles with an eating disorder and then it started when you were a teenager right 
it did yeah so that area of my like that kind of season of life for me was really challenging um even like being even younger like being well my dad left basically when I was five years old and moved from England to America and was completely absent from my life but I was old enough to have met him and to have loved him and to to know about him right I know there's a lot of women whose you know fathers are absent and they leave and maybe they've never met or or whatever but I'd kind of he left right at that stage where I had this huge amount of love for him so when he left I I kind of created a almost like shrine to him like in my life I was trying to hang on um so he moved to America and he was living in New York as a a celebrity hairdresser um and he had famous clients and he kind of lived this lifestyle that was so far-fetched from this life that I had in England in the northern England where it was raining all the time (laughs) and you know I lived a really kind of normal life my mom and my stepdad worked really hard to provide for us I went to school and, and all of these things but um I had this figure like this father who was was very absent but he would send me letters from time to time and send me pictures of him with supermodels and wow that's a piece of mail (laughs) (laughs) he was working in in the fashion industry right so he when I'd speak to him on the phone which wasn't very often And I would literally be hanging in between these letters and these phone calls and any letter that was sent, I'd create a shrine in my bedroom. Um, But I think that really formed the early parts of like me feeling like I had to be somebody else in order to get his love. I think that's really when I, I've done a lot of work on understanding why I developed these body confidence issues and around and really developed the eating disorders too like where did that come from and I've only really got to the bottom of it in the past I would say three to five years and I'm 38 so for a long time I didn't really understand why I went through that or um but yeah I think deep rooted it was because I was felt like I had to be somebody else in order to get my dad's love ultimately um yeah that was the scene and then of course growing up like in my early teens um you know I finished school in 99 so my kind of high school years was of the era where magazines were still huge as well like we didn't really have social media we didn't have social media that that came late. I remember when Facebook was first introduced, but so prior to that, we had magazines and TV, and that's really where I formed this idea of like that I needed to look like the the magazine covers. And I think it was deep rooted in that that love from my dad and who he was surrounded by and and what kind of lifestyle he was living. But but then seeing that magazine cover and and really feeling that that's who I need to be in order to to be somebody, to be loved, to be liked, for my friends to, you know, I really felt like that's what what we needed to be, oh. which is, it blows my mind. Yeah. Having two daughters now, it like, it blows my mind. 
Yeah, it must be fascinating to kind of see their influences be so different from yours, but also so similar, right? That now it's social media instead of TV and magazines. And now we're able to critically analyze that, but we can't critically analyze our own friends and like how our own networks are influencing us in that way, right? Yeah. So yeah, and then of course I had this huge passion for travel and all of these things like I think compounded and, and led me to to really take extreme measures when it came to my weight and how I looked. Um, I had this huge passion for travel. And I think some of that, again, was sparked by my dad when I was talking on the odd occasion we did have a conversation. He'd be like, oh, I'm jetting down to Miami this weekend from New York. Or, and it, it kind of allowed me to dream about what's possible, right? Like this small town in Manchester and this whole of a life. And I really my uncle at the time as well was traveling a lot around Europe and I really started to build this love for travel so much so like I in my around 10 11 like I could recite every single capital capital country sorry capital city of all the countries in the world um and I used to collect foreign currency as well like I used to collect the money and have it in this big jar so super obsessed with travel and then when I left school I was like okay I'm gonna go into the travel industry and I, I thought, okay, let's don't really know what I wanted to do, but let's try cabin crew because that's going to take me to all these different countries. And that was exciting to me. And of course, back then it, it was kind of seen to be like this glamorous lifestyle. And um, now I've traveled a lot. I'm like, that's not for me. <laughs> but mm. at the time I was like, yeah, it's really glamorous. And of course, how you looked and your appearance when you're back then when you were applying to become cabin crew was huge like you had to have a, a put submit like a picture of yourself you know a full picture and I, I still have that picture now um and and yeah that all of those things were like compounding and I really felt like I had to be um, skinny I think that is the only I don't like that word now I don't use that word now especially I, around I don't want my girls to hear that it's not part of my language anymore but back then that was my goal like I have to be skinny um, and that's why I wanted to that was be all that was everything to me so how did that how did it start manifesting itself yeah so um, I would say in my I was around 15, 16. I I don't know how I how I found out. I must have read about it, seen it on TV or something, but like I realized that you could throw up after you ate. So you could still enjoy food, you could still eat a meal as normal, but you could literally go and throw up everything afterwards and you would not put on the, the weight. You read about it. I don't, I, I actually, I don't know. I can't even remember where I first ever was introduced to it, but back then we didn't have social media. So I don't know. I must've seen something on the TV or read about it somewhere. Maybe someone was sharing their story of how they overcome it. Um, and it, I, rem- I actually do remember it was a positive story. Like it was them sharing it as a space for like how I overcame it. But I didn't, I wasn't concentrating on that bit, the good bit at the end. I was concentrating on, oh, and it showed pictures too. Right? Like, so I was like, oh, so you can do that. That is something that you can do in order to, to still appear normal to the outside world, still eat family dinner and do that. I was like, 
that's awesome. I'm going to try it. And that's what I did. That's how it started. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is definitely not the outcome that that whoever published that story wanted. I know. Oh my God. And it worked. I, okay. Wow. I started to do it and I got really good at it. Um, in a sense that, you know, I could, I even knew like, okay, 20 minutes after is like the perfect time for me. And if I have water as well, it's easier. And I would go, I've never spoken about this before in this much detail. And I hope it doesn't have the same effect as what, you know, we were talking about what I just shared, but I, yeah, I got really good at hiding it as well. Like going to the toilet um, and running a tap. So it would like kind of muffle out the sound. And I got really good at in that sense, like in hiding it and keeping it from, from people and almost like not even admitting to myself that it was something that I did. Um, and, and do you think that it, it is something that your parents didn't know? Because sometimes I know growing up that there's things that you think that you're getting away with, but they ultimately know, right? Yeah, I think um, I, I got away with it for a long time, I think. And I've never really talked to my mom about it in detail, but I think she does know. I think yeah, I think there was telltale signs back then that they did know. And I, my husband certainly knew, like, because like, this, this went on for years too. And I got pregnant whilst I was still kind of living that. Um, and he knew about it as well. And we'd spoken about it a little bit. Um, but it's completely alien to him. Like, he tried to help me the best he could with what he knew at the time. Um but yeah, also developed into not only to doing that, but also I started to play with, okay, not eating enough. And I kind of, I went between the two. Um, so then I would not eat a lot. Um, and I would actually, I remember I got a job in the, in the travel industry in kind of a call center environment. And I, I would like, I would see it as a challenge and I would go all day and maybe eat five grapes and then, yeah, I actually remember bragging about it sometimes, like it was something to be proud of um, in a and sense that, oh, I've only eaten five grapes today. Wow. Do you, do you think that while you were bragging, like, do you think you kind of had a distended reality around you that you kind of, you looked at people and you thought that they were impressed, but in reality, they were maybe a little bit, I don't want to use the word horrified, but right? Like, do you think that you kind of projected this idea that they were impressed and then like, a million just, percent. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A million percent. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I struggled for a long time. I was like going between the two. And when I look back at pictures now, there was, especially the picture where I, it was the picture I was going to submit to be cabin crew. And I look at that picture and, you know, my hips are protruding a little bit. And I, I look at my face and I know exactly what I felt when I took that picture. And even I wasn't happy. Like it was, it, I feel that emotion when I look at that picture. Um, because, of course, being skinny, what I desired, it didn't bring me happiness. But I didn't know it at the time. And, yeah, then that started a whole journey of, being um because of course when you overeat as well when you know that you are not gonna keep the food in that you're ingesting you kind of I I really started to binge eat 
because I was like, oh, I can just eat whatever I want because I'm not going to store this as fat anyway. So I started to like binge eat. And then I got pregnant when I was 21. Um, I met my husband when I was 17. I got pregnant when I was 21. And then immediate guilt kicked in that I can't keep doing this when I am growing a human inside of me. And I and looking back now, I was I was a baby. When I was 21, I was still a baby. But all of a sudden I was about to become a mother. And um, yeah, guilt kicked in. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore when I'm supposed to nourish this, this human. But then of course I'd, especially with the binge eating, I, I piled on a lot of weight when I was pregnant, unhealthily. So um, like four stone. Four stone, is, which is how many kilograms? I think uh, one stone counts, is like 12 kilograms. Uh, yes. Wow. That's a lot of pounds. That's a lot. It was. It Yeah, it was immense. Um, and that's because I'd, I'd started to, I was still carrying some of those binge eating habits and and not getting rid of the food and then that weight started to pile on but also at the same time I was like oh I'm pregnant and you know the whole eating for two thing Mm -hmm. where people are like oh I'm eating for two now I really adopted that but what I felt from that was freedom I was I felt free of all of those habits and those things I'd been doing for the past four five six years and I was like okay now I'm free and I don't I can put on this weight and it doesn't really matter because I'm pregnant. Like, and I'll, I'll deal with it later. I, um, I've, I've heard that a lot. Now. Yeah. And that like, mm-hmm. there's this freedom, but I think in actuality, isn't it like you only need like the equivalent of an extra orange a day or something? Like it's really yeah. small. Yeah, it is. And I really wish I knew now what I knew. And <laughs> of course we do like we with everything in life, but also the support as well was very different. I see, pregnant women nowadays and the support is so different and I always think I wish I had that when I was pregnant um yeah it was just different um so yeah that led me to like the birth of my first child wow and being 21 I can't even imagine like I'm I'm 27 I wow I had to think about that for a second but I just I can't even imagine I I remember thinking back when I was I think, I think my mom had me when she was about 26. And I remember thinking back that she got married when she was about 21 or 22. And at the time I was just thinking, wow, I'm not ready for any of that. I'm I'm still a student and I want to be a student and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, that didn't, it didn't stop either. Like after I had my um, first daughter, I was like, I felt responsible for this. And I had a girl too. And I, I just knew, I was like, I don't want her to go through any of this that I've gone through. Like I, I even knew back then, I, I want it to be different for her. Um, and I felt that and I was like, okay, now I'm going to do it. I want to lose weight because I piled on all this extra weight. It wasn't healthy. Um, and I also wanted to be an active mom. Like I wanted to be fit and healthy. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to do it the healthy way. So I, I enrolled with a personal trainer and I started to eat well. And I really, I lost weight fast as well um, after having her. And I felt like, I, like oh, I'm better now. Um, but I just want to rewind a little bit because I think this is really important too. Like before I had her, I remember I was living with my, um, my husband's parents at the time. We'd moved in with them while we were saving for a house. And 
I was over it. I was like, I don't want to live this way anymore because it became really tiring and um, I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I went to the doctors and I was like, I am doing this. I have these habits. Like, this is what I'm doing. And she was like, okay, step on the scale. So I stepped on the scale and she worked out my BMI. I was in tears as well. Like it was a, it was a huge deal. Looking back now, I had to muster up so much bravery and courage to actually go and yeah. say to someone, I need help. And I was crying. I remember I was crying my eyes out. This is my life doctor as well. It's the GP I'd had since being a child. She was like, step on the scales. And she measured and she was like, your BMI is this. And she's like, your BMI is healthy. You're fine. Oh, my within the BMI. God. And she literally sent me away. No, no, she didn't. Yeah. Oh, and my I, gosh. That's I, a horrible, horrible. No. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever told anyone that story. And I, I went home to my boyfriend's house. And again, I couldn't talk, I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I couldn't talk to him or to them. Like, no, like, I felt rejected as well by the doctor. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. And um. I couldn't get out of bed for a week after that. Oh my God. I had to lie to, I had to lie and say I was unwell. Like I wasn't feeling very well to my husband and I rang in sick on my job and I have a really strong work ethic. So that wasn't easy. Um, I just laid in bed for a week and I was really trying, I think I was coming down from um, what it took to get to the doctors in the first place and then dealing with the rejection thereafter. And she made me think, well, am I not? anorexic or bulimia or do I not have bulimia like um that's really emotional she made me question like am I crazy like I and then I felt guilt because I knew like there was other girls and women who were hospitalized with the disease and I I wasn't that I I didn't ever got to that stage but it, it made me feel guilty about even um, seeking help for any of that, I think. And um, oh, I've never spoken about that. I've never told anyone that story about the doctor. Thank you so much um, for sharing. That's such a that's such a powerful and then, story. And then um, I was like, okay, I just have to figure this out. I have to get over this myself. Um, and. Yeah, so that was before my second daughter, and I think I think I think both my daughters saved me in the end. They, um, both of them, because I never wanted them to go through any of that or to see any of that, or for that to be their reality. I wanted them to be free, because it was very. It felt like uh, I lived in this like straight jacket with this huge immense weight for all of these years, like a mental way I don't mean physical way but you know and I I wanted them to be free I think it ultimately it's them I I never got professional help for it or anything like that and I I just kind of figured it out but they I think they they saved me from that wow Mm. you almost got me in tears (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I just that is just heart-wrenching. And I would really, I mean, I hope that GPs, general physicians would know better than to, you know, that, and to make the, you step on a scale, that's, 
that's the opposite of what you need, right? Like, I mean, I don't know very much, but I would think that that's the very last thing you need, right? You need, yeah. I mean, like in that situation, right? Like looking back, it's probably, you know, I mean, you needed somebody to like, to accept it and to say like, I'm here for you and to probably send you on to what a therapist probably, or like, yeah. what would you recommend? Yeah. What would you recommend if somebody uh, yeah. was in that situation, what would you ask for, for yourself to advocate? I, I definitely think like therapy, I needed someone to talk to, to really understand, to help me understand like, why, why, why did I do this? Like to really get to the deep root of it because the deep root of it was love it was love. I, I thought I had to look a certain way to get my father's love. That's really where it was deep, deep rooted. Um, my, when I met my husband, I was 17 and we met in a nightclub and he was like, he was so handsome. When I first met him, I was like, he has the most beautiful smile and he was so handsome. And again, my confidence was, (laughs) (laughs) and and at the time, like in that kind of, in those days, like I knew, like, you know, he was kissing other girls too. And I knew that other girls were, you know, wanting him to kind of date them. And and then comparison set in, right? I would look at them and be like, she's thinner than I am. She's prettier than I am. And um, I'm my, my husband's first ever girlfriend. Like we've oh. been together for 20 years and I'm his first girlfriend and then I would I would look at our situation I'd be like people are gonna look at him and think what is he doing with her he can do so much better than her that was what was going through my head at the time and of course like we were falling in love and he was falling in love with me for me not because of how I looked you know we were attracted to one another like of course that plays a part but like he was getting to know me and who I was. And, and that's what, it wasn't based on how, how I looked, how thin I was, but I didn't know that at the time. Oh my gosh. In a nightclub and 20 years later. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so, so you said your, your husband was really supportive of everything, but didn't really know how to help you. Right. Yeah. And so how, like, I'm curious how he tried to support you and like what, Um, what you would suggest if like for somebody in that position to do instead. Yeah. Like I've had huge weight gain, weight loss, weight gain, weight loss, like throughout my whole life, not just with pregnancy, by the way, like with different seasons of my life. And my husband has never, ever made me feel like I wasn't sexy to him or he wasn't attracted to me. Like, don't get me wrong, we've been through peaks and troughs. There's there's periods of our life where our sex life is super active and there's periods where it's not so. But he has never, even when I have felt like I wouldn't go to the beach maybe in a bikini because I was at the time body conscious, I would still walk around the house naked. This was my safe space. Like I've never, ever once felt like I had to hide my body from my husband. 
even if I felt like I had to hide it in public. And I think that's where I'm so like in awe of this. Like he doesn't even know that that's how he supported me. You know, like he could never dig and find that he's not a psychologist or a therapist. Like he works in construction. Like he never would have been able to help me figure out that maybe it was my dad's love or lack of that started it. Um, But it's always been my, my safe place. That's so beautiful. Oh, so, so are you like, how has your relationship with your own naked body then? Has that been your savior? Was that sometimes like, did you sometimes have a negative relationship with that? Cause I'm, I'm really, really fascinated by people's relationship to specifically their naked body. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been a roller coaster. There's been periods of my time in my life where I've maybe done like a huge amount of personal development. I've been on a really like strong growth, personal growth over the last, I would say five years. Um, And I played around with it a little bit before. So like when that was on point and I was following the right people, listening to the right podcast books, things like that, I feel like I would strengthen my mind and that would trickle through to how I spoke to myself, how I showed up for myself. But then there's been times where life got in the way, right? So I ditched the podcast, so I ditched the books and then kind of got on with life and and felt like a downward spiral. And then I, I would go through phases where I would hate my body and I would couldn't look in a mirror. I wouldn't. I live in Australia. I live a stone's throw from the Indian Ocean. And there's been periods, I've been here for 13 years. There's been periods where I haven't been here for 13 years. I moved in there in 2013. <laughs> Um, there's been periods where I've sat on the beach sweating in like a, a, the wrong amount of clothes for the temperature of the day, but kind of hiding myself while my kids have been in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then there's been times where I've built myself up and then I've been in the ocean with them with a bikini on because I don't care. I think the, the, my it kind of, it goes hand in hand. I think like how you work on your mind to how like you kind of see yourself in your body and there's definitely been seasons I wouldn't say it's been plain sailing but now 38 having been more consistent with the mindset stuff over the last five years I'm now at a place where I am so grateful for this body that allowed me to bring two amazing human beings into the world and every day like I'm thankful that this is now a vessel that and now allows me to do the work that I want to do. And, you know, we spoke already. I was up this morning at 6 a.m. training. Um, and then I did some meditation before this. And now I'm grateful that this body allows me to kind of show up in the world now. And I think gratitude has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. And gratitude. Absolutely. I even like gratitude towards... I don't know sometimes there's like a jealousy I find that I can flip towards gratitude as well. Like you spoke of uh, like seeing other people as like, oh, they're more this than me, more this, like more X quality, right? And like the realization that just because they're beautiful doesn't mean you're not. And just because they're this yeah. doesn't mean you're not. And it doesn't have anything to do with one another actually. And that you can just yeah. have so much gratitude for their beauty and then so much gratitude for your own and just, yeah, that, that secret key of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I really think that, um, and as I spoke of earlier about the magazine covers, and then of course social media now, um, and how that, like, there's so many times that we scroll social media, we all, you know, can fall into the trap of even when it may not even be about body, right? It might be about business and you can look at other people and be like, oh, they have X number of followers or she's hit this six figures in revenue or, um, you know, the podcast has hit a million downloads or whatever it may be. It may not just be physical as well, but we always compare ourselves to other people. Um, and I think that is is really what keeps us from from delivering what we were what we're on this planet to do and I feel like last year I really came home to myself it was a it was a journey it was a long journey I meditation played a huge part in that as well but also shutting down all of that outside noise and limiting myself like to the the comparison game all the outside influences and I think sometimes that, and if I reflect and look back for many, many years, that was so loud. I vision it like, like being surrounded by it. And for so long, it was so loud, so much so that I couldn't even hear myself anymore. I felt like I was like, you press the mute button on yourself and you listen to everything else. And then that like stays your life. But when you actually like, do the opposite takes time right but like start to turn all of those other things down and really turn the volume on yourself up that is where you really find your voice you find your joy your peace and you can really then start to to take action I think on what you were put on this planet to do and what you want to be and what you want to become and um, I think that's really powerful as well. I really feel like I came home to myself and that had a lot to do with then how I felt about my body and self-love. Yeah, interesting. So you found it all through meditation, you think, and that one just like kind of trickled into the other and expanded within? I think, yeah, I think it was a mixture of um, not just meditation, but I also think, you know, last year I was 37 years old and in your mind, you're always... I'm always like a kind of 18 year old girl. Like, do we ever actually really grow up? But no. I really started to um, to be conscious of time, I think, because, you know, I had these whispers on my heart, these dreams on my heart that I knew I wasn't living to my fullest potential. Um, and then as you start to approach 40, like for me, I was like, oh, the clock's ticking. Like I was super aware of time. But my, but I think as well, my dad passed away Um and he was 50 years old, wow. super young. And that really, really made, made me aware of, of my own mortality um, and was like, no, I, I got to get on. I have to, I don't want to waste any more time living in this space. Like I want to create the life of my dreams, basically. I want to live out every day like I want to live it out. I want it to be joyful and be fulfilled. And it's beautiful. So beautiful. So when you were able to like really accept yourself and love your body for what it is and everything that it's given you that cascaded into your dreams as well. 
That's what you're saying. So you were able, so how did that transform your ability to show up for all the dreams that you wanted or all the things you wanted to create? Yeah. Having the kind of negative self-talk and how I felt about my body, you know, a couple of years ago, it made me play small. Like I didn't show up on camera. I was like, I'm not, I'm going to lose 20 pounds before I do any um, face to camera content, or I can't record that video until I've lost some more weight or, um, you know, it, it keep it kept me playing small. But I have to say, there's been periods, especially like when I lived in Australia when when COVID really hit, like I've been here for years. So um, we haven't experienced COVID, especially in Western Australia, like the rest of the world did. We Our lives remained, apart from not being able to travel, our lives remained relatively the same. Um, but I got kind of dragged into the whole living through COVID. And of course, my family in England. So I lived through it, through their experience as well. Um, but I I used that, I kind of got secondary gain in a sense that um, I was using those excuses like I'm, I need to lose weight before I create this, that or, or the other, but then I would still eat the chips or still not take care of myself because I was actually using it as an excuse to be like, oh, now I really don't have to create that content anymore. Like if that makes sense, there was a secondary gain. It was allowing me to stay small, stay in my comfort zone. And I was happily using it as an excuse mm-hmm. <laughs> to myself, yeah. like not, not out loud or anything like that, but I was getting secondary gain from it. And then when I, when I really realized like, now I have skills, knowledge, and it's actually selfish for me not to share this with the, the world and everything that I've been through up until this point I know by sharing my story, if that helps one other woman, then my work here is done. Like it's, you know, I want to impact. And I have to say as well, like um, Clubhouse, which is a social media app, you may be aware of it's audio only. um, Mm -hmm. That came out last year. And I was one of the early adopters in Australia. And I was in a room and I was talking to, I was talking to somebody about, um, eating disorders and about not the detail that we've gone into today but we were addressing it and I, I shared my story a little bit and then I got an Instagram inbox from a lady who lived in America um, who sent me a message and was like like she was blown away that somebody would openly admit and talk about the fact that they'd had an eating disorder and she was like it's really inspired me and I was like whoa, like I've shifted her just from sharing my story. And that really blew my mind as well. Like the, the impact that you can create by being vulnerable. Um, yeah. The ripple effect. Yeah. Super real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for your, your openness and your vulnerability today. That was extremely beautiful to watch you like think through those things and kind of you had that realization oh no there's this really important piece of my story that I left behind in the past of this storytelling and I want to go back to it and I'm so glad you did Mm because that's just so important to think that like you know if that happened to somebody and they happened to hear this they would go back and they would say hey no give me the help I need and the help I deserve and oh so yeah 
So good. Yeah. Just going to say like, thank you for this platform that you've created for these stories to be to be told and to be heard. And, you know, for anyone who's listening, just to know that they're not alone. Like social media is really a highlight reel of people's lives. And I love that these stories are real and they're vulnerable. Um, so people know that they're, even if there's a small part that resonates with them, that they're not alone. Absolutely. Mm. So I was wondering if we could switch gears completely because yeah. I have no idea what it's like to be with the same person for 20 years, let alone five, <laughs> let alone three. And I was yeah. wondering if you were willing to open up about how your relationship has changed over the years, how like you guys have continued to grow together and mm-hmm. what that looks like, whether it's, you know, your growth is, I don't know, because you've moved together, you've started businesses together, you've started family together. And even if you're willing to get a little bit more racy and talk about, you know, how your sex life has changed over the years, I'm just, I'm fascinated to hear it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if I go back to like when we first met, like we were both babies, really. I was 17. He was 18. Um, he'd never had a relationship before. Um, I'd had a boyfriend before um, I met Ashley. And yeah, I think we really, really connected strongly in the very early days. Um, And we were like really, really attracted to one another. We were like really young. We didn't have, we were kind of carefree, you know, like we both lived at home. We had jobs, so we had money and like we were going out shopping and dating and um we started to travel together and and things like that and yeah we had a really passionate active sex life like right from the from the get-go and it's not always been that way like we've been together now for 20 years and if I look back like the certain seasons of life was you know two pregnancies I had cesarean sections with both of them so the recovery on both was really really long my youngest daughter was ill. She was in and out of hospital for a long time when she was little. And like, I think those things really impacted, I would say life in general, right? Not just those things I've, I've spoken about, but even jobs, like all of those like life events aside, our sex life really took a hit. Even like when he would get tired at work and I would get, get tired and there would be periods where, um, you know, we could go for a couple of months without even having sex when I look back when we lived in the UK. But I think we were both then aware of it. And we were like, oh, we want to get back to what we were like before we had kids and when we were, you know, traveling and and like having sex everywhere, like in the hotel room or whatever. Like we want to get back to that. Like it, that was always like we want to get back to that. And then we would just have a conversation about it, I think, as well. Like, and like both acknowledge that, yeah, we both need to put a little bit more effort in. So I suppose just being mindful and, and aware of it. Mm-hmm. And then, and yeah, I think as you get older too, um, my husband had a vasectomy a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Yeah. And he believes that that's affected his sex life, his sex drive. Oh, so it went down. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I was like, oh, shooting blanks. Perfect. Let's go. 
<laughs> no, oh. he thinks it's gone down. Um, so we're working through that right now. And I think at age as well, like as, as we get older, like I am also mindful of um, my kids. Like they're um, almost 12 and almost 16 as well. So even like, I think you have to do other things, right? Like go and stay away at hotels and, and things like that because I'm super aware that this isn't just mine and his home. <laughs> you know, I'm mindful of the kids being around. and um, So no more sex on the kitchen yeah. counter is what you're saying. That's right. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I think like really we're just so deep rooted in like a deep love for one another because we have grown together. We've been through so much together. Um, and I had I actually had a human design reading. Have you ever explored your human design? No. It's amazing. You should, that's a whole different rabbit hole, but I definitely recommend everyone check out human design and you can, um, you have to know when you were born and the, um, the location and the time and everything, and they can work out your kind of human chart. So I had a reading and she actually, she didn't know, but she told me during that reading that um, I was actually meant to have one, one soul like partner in life. And I was like, whoa, because there's times right where we've had this conversation too. Like, I'm like, are we, like, are we together just because we're, we're together and we've got two kids and we've married 20 years. Like some, there's no, sometimes I've, I've gone through periods where I've tried to pick fault in our marriage mm-hmm. because I'm like, it's this it's too good. supposed to like, yeah. Like, you, and I, I've asked him too. I'm like, I'm your only ever sexual partner. Like, don't you ever want to go and have sex with somebody else? Or wow. like, and he's like, no, I'm not. He's like, I'm not, I'm not interested. Like, I love you. And he's like, like never once have I thought, oh, maybe he's just saying that. But I don't think so. I don't think so. Because it sounds like you guys have a very open and honest like channel of communication, right? Like, it sounds like, like, why would he say that if he didn't mean it, right? (laughs) I, and sometimes I think, oh, it's like too good to be true kind of thing. Because there's so much divorce and there's so, you know, like even like with celebrities, they seem to like get married and next minute they're not married they're marrying someone else and I'm like yeah like I don't think it's it's not as common nowadays um I don't know why that is but there's been periods where like we've had a funny conversation about it too as I said like trying to pick pick fall or even like create fall I'm like this shouldn't be this cruisy but we are both quite cruisy laid-back people and um, I'm a Gemini so I have my moments oh me too um, <laughs> um there's a little bit of cray in there but you know like (laughs) we're generally laid-back people and um just I think growing together has has played a huge part I think I think it also comes from the fact that you're asking those questions means that you're good right like I've recently had some chats with my partner um about where we doubt whether or not we're right for each other Right. We're only yeah. like just over a year in and we live together and it's the first time that either of us have lived with a partner. And we've we've had these conversations where we're like, are we actually right for each other? Are we struggling? Like, are we making these compromises in places where we shouldn't? But I think even just having that awareness. Right. And being able to talk through that and being able to have that conversation means that that isn't actually I mean, unless you actually find a fault in it, then you're good. Right. Like yeah. it's. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it also comes down to trusting yourself and trusting your gut and listening to yourself. You know, everything I was saying about shutting down the outside noise, Mm -hmm. like I was bringing some of those questions into my marriage because I was like looking at, as I said, all these external things like, you know, divorces and, and people breaking up and being on their like, you know, fourth marriage. I'm like, are people supposed to have like multiple marriages in life? Like, am I missing out on something? That's so funny. <laughs> when you shut, when you shut down all that external noise and you actually listen to yourself and listen to your gut, I know, like deep in my gut, he is the man I'm supposed to grow old with. And yeah, there's it's not easy. You know, we argue, we fight. Um, I I'm trying to meditate in bed at night, and he gets in, and I'm like. And I'm like, do we need separate bedrooms now? Because, or do I need like my own little bed? Because when I, I'm trying to meditate and you're bouncing me all over the bed, this is the challenge we've been having this week. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can, um, I can relate to that so hard. Last night I had the exact same, pretty much the exact same thing happen. We had just gotten home. I had just, I've just quarantined from COVID and all this stuff. And he came with oh, me wow. and we just got back to our own apartment last night after being stuck in our like home province for like, I don't know, three weeks. And yeah. I'm meditating out here in the main room and he comes out and he can't fall asleep unless I'm in the bed. And he comes and he like taps me on the shoulder. And, and I was just like, you just like interrupted my meditation. Are you kidding me? No, but this is not okay. And yeah, and we actually just bought a second bed. Uh, it's just not set up yet, but I was I was mad enough. Well, although we promised each other we wouldn't sleep in it because we're mad. We promised we'd sleep in it if we had like different schedules, but I was like, I wish we had that second yeah. bed set up so that I could go meditate and meditate <laughs> as long as I wanted and then go to bed and that you wouldn't bother me. But yeah, no, it was the yeah. whole I was like lying in bed being like, hmm, no, you can't cuddle me because I'm mad because you interrupted my meditation. <laughs> that's how impactful meditation is, right? And I know people who meditate get it. Um, that's how sacred the practice is, like, like has become as well. Um, but like I was joking about it. And then I was like, well, I, yeah, actually it makes sense because you, you do interrupt each other's sleep. But immediately I also went to like, oh, like, what does it look like from the outside world? Like, if you were like, oh, we have separate bedrooms or we have separate beds or, or you know, like, what does that look like from the outside looking in? And I shut, I shut that down in a second because I was like, nah, that doesn't even, like, matter to, to him or to I. Like, all it, it's about him and me. Um, and if I have a safe place where I can meditate without him disturbing that and then can go back to our to sleep together because again like you I would never want to sleep apart unless it was for a specific reason yeah like who cares what anyone else thinks or has to say about it as long as like you both know I find it really funny that you're like oh everyone else is getting a divorce should I be getting one (laughs) (laughs) That's and, and it's like sometimes like life it can be whatever in it could be your business or your marriage or, or or just life in general. You're like, can is life supposed to be this good? Is it supposed to? And you're like, you're waiting almost like something bad's going to happen. And sometimes like those thoughts can creep in as well because you actually like, can life be this good? And it can. It can. Like when when you actually take life, the steering wheel of your own life, it can be that good. Your marriage can be that easy and that fulfilled so can your business and so can your relationships like 
it can be that easy but it's yeah. all down to us it's down to you it's down to me to create that absolutely and I do want to say if you want to get that second bed do it <laughs> do it yeah we recently yeah like we live in a tiny little not tiny it's not that tiny but it's it's a it's an apartment in the sky in a downtown metropolitan area right and we got two bedrooms and one of them's his office and one of them's I work out in the living room and we just traded in a couch for like a little single bed for like the nights where just one of us needs some extra sleep and it actually is kind of comforting to know that like if we really need it we can just get that good night's sleep that both of us sometimes don't get when sleeping next to each other yeah I love that and yeah just to and to do the things that we spoke about like meditating or even doing this right like creating this kind of content or or doing anything like this office space that I've created for myself is sacred and creating energy and space for ourselves is super important like it doesn't always have to be with him but with my husband with Ashley like I'm also me I'm also like a woman I also have my own identity my own he doesn't he's not interested in meditating or doing any of the things that that I'm interested in and that's okay like create that space for yourself absolutely he has his garage like with his <laughs> jet skiing and his tools like his place where he can go and hang out <laughs> yeah no there's definitely sometimes a and it at the deeper you get into a relationship, you can get lost in the us and you can get lost in the we yes. and you stop being an I. And recently yeah. I actually, I took over a month and I went to a different country without him and I had my own adventure. And yeah, when we came back, it was electric and it was wonderful and we missed each other so much, but it was just so good to yeah. be a me again. Yes, yeah. I love that. I think every woman sh- should solo travel. Mm-hmm. I've done it even as a mom, like with, I've left my kids and my husband here and gone off to America by myself recently, you know, in the last five years, I think every woman should do it. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing as a mom too, to be like, nope, okay, I'm going to go. Yeah, I did. And I was like, they need time with dad. They need one-on-one time without mom being around to, to do all of the things that mom does. And it was, it was the best thing for my family, not only for me, and my experiences as well, but how they bonded and they grew when I wasn't around. And I also wanted to show my girls that that's possible for for women and for moms. So yeah. it was awesome. That's incredible. That's so inspiring. Yeah. Be yeah. like, take your own space and take your own time and live your own life. Cause I definitely, yeah. I've, I've, gotten that question a lot in terms of like, I have divorced parents and they're like, what did that teach you? And I'm like, well, I mean, live life for you too, right? It doesn't just have to be about your kids. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's, it's been so incredible. Thank you so much for opening up about everything today. It's been, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to next time we get to chat. And, uh, oh, and if, do you have anything you'd like to promote or share? Is there anywhere that people can follow your journey, follow your businesses if, uh, if they're interested? Yeah. So, um, I have a, a podcast in the community. It's called Shine Louder. And the whole premise is, is really about, you know, finding that inner voice and those those inner desires and turning the volume up there and and shutting down all of that external noise as well 
um, and yeah, really just for a, a place for people to feel seen and be heard. Um, I am a, a huge advocate of women in business. And there's, so there's a lot of business strategy, business tips, um, you know, so if anyone listening has has a desire or a whisper on their heart about launching their own business and not really sure on how to go about it, then they, I think, will really enjoy the episodes. It's a really good mix of, of mindset work alongside business strategy. So that's Shine Louder. Incredible. And so on like podcasts and Apple and all the places. Yes. Yeah, pod, the podcast um, is on Apple and Spotify. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at shinelouder.co. And there's a Facebook community as well, which is the Shine Louder Insiders. And yeah, it's just a really collaborative, safe space to explore. Um, you know, if you have any kind of curiosity um, in that space, but really just to inspire people to take action on their on their dreams and goals. Amazing. Oh, and you do shine loudly. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> such a so radiant much. soul. <laughs> Thanks, All right. Chris. Thank you so much. And with that, we come to the end of this week's episode of Reclaim Your Radiance. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed your time with us and came away with something truly valuable. If you want more and simply cannot wait until next week, come join us online. We have a couple of really exciting communities that are being built. First, we have a Facebook community with the name Reclaim Your Radiance, where we talk about all sorts of topics related to the podcast, and tons that aren't. It's a community of like-minded souls who want to dive deeper into these things and keep the conversation going. Secondly, you can sign up for our mailing list to receive bonus content and stay in touch with what's happening in the world of Reclaim Your Radiance. And lastly, coming soon to a computer near you is our Patreon. Come along and join us for extra content, regular community meetups, fun swag, one-on-one time with yours truly, and so much more. Stay tuned for that. Head on over to the episode notes and the show description to find those links. And I hope to see you online soon. All right, everyone. Until next week, stay radiant.